0: Of uh, the Honorable Amy Coney Barrett, let's take a listen to some of the positions she uh, outlined.
1: Judges can't just wake up one day and say, "I have an agenda. I like guns. I hate guns. I like abortion. I hate abortion," and walk in like a, a royal queen and impose, you know, their will on the world. You have to wait for cases and controversies, which is the language of the Constitution, to wind their way through the process. Senator, I completely understand why you are asking the question, but again i can't pre-commit or say yes i'm going in with some agenda because i'm not i don't have any agenda i have no agenda to try to overrule casey Um, i have an agenda to stick to the rule of law and decide cases as they come
2: on something that is really a major cause with major effect on over half of the population of this country who are women after all it's It's distressing not to get a straight answer.
1: Barrett would also now comment on whether she agreed with the late conservative justice, Antonin Scalia, that the 2015 Supreme Court ruling legalizing gay marriage nationwide was wrongly decided. Senator Feinstein, as I said to Senator Graham at the outset, if I were confirmed, you would be getting Justice Barrett, not Justice Scalia. So I don't think that anybody should assume that just because Justice Scalia decided a decision a certain way, that I would too. On the topic of the Affordable Care Act, Barrett declined to say whether she would recuse herself if confirmed from considering an upcoming case in which President Trump and Republican-led states are seeking to invalidate Obamacare. So that's not a question that I could answer in the abstract, so if- or from any case that may arise if there is a legal dispute over the outcome of the November presidential election. Absolutely not.
0: So she's very much in line with what uh, what your you know your grassroots campaign, they run by the Kochs, that uh, and the Christian, um, the Council of National Policy, she's very much in line with what they're proposed, what they're proposing in terms of policies. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. In terms of policy, she, I mean, she's not expressing it uh, there, but if you look at her history uh, and look at testimony that she's given before, um, then it's, she's definitely in line with it. It would be a lot nice to look at the cases that she's tried, but she hasn't tried any cases.
0: Mm-hmm. I spent a little time this week talking to someone who is a member of uh, the people of praise sect, which is really a cult, you know, it can't be described as anything else, um, where women are just, you know, the norm of it, the aim, the aim of it is really to subjugate women. And she is, at least formally, a member of this cult. She's a person who has spent um, a long time being part of the leadership of this cult. And that's why, where she comes from, South Bend, Indiana, um, is, is sort of the, one of the big bases of of this particular sect of of Catholicism now it is Catholicism but it's an extreme form of Catholicism and uh the people of praise have not confirmed that she was a part of it but people in the group say she definitely was and that her and her uh, husband were were there for a long period of time even as early as when the group founded um in in the early 70s so we're talking about someone who is when you talk to people in this in this particular sector, this particular group, you realize that they are not just fundamentalists. I mean, they are um, women. There's not even a right, the right to to declare rape within marriage. That is not acceptable within their world. Um, so, never mind contraception or other things. It's legal to rape within their marriages. Um, you know, it's a it's an incredibly uh, predator driven kind of environment, and it seems that this is where she comes from. She may not even be in control of her own. Um, what she does every day because she has to obey her husband. That's one of the very rules um, of this particular sect. So we're not talking about someone who's just a Catholic, we're talking about someone who's, a, who's an extremist in terms of their points of view.
3: They're often called Dominionist Catholics, uh, and certainly Steve Bannon is a Dominionist Catholic. Uh, the easy way to think about it is just think of them as Dan Brown Catholics.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Which means what, <laughs> uninitiated, What's what do you mean by that?
3: F- uh, self flagellation in himself. the basement
0: yeah. okay well I mean you know isn't Leonard Leo and the whole crowd that put this stuff together aren't that you know these are the Leonard Leo is the part of this grouping that vets all the judges that uh, uh that Trump puts forward in part of the Federalist Society tell us a little you know isn't, isn't that the same kind of fundamentalist thinking that goes into their their approach I think,
3: I think it can be, Um, you know, one of the things I think I suddenly realized, and I'm not dodging your question, but, um, uh, one of the things I realized I need to be really clear about is that people you may know is not an anti-religious film, Mm -hmm. um, nor is it an anti-republican film. It's a, it's a film about the way that your personal mental health data and your personal health data is being used to target you in order to try to flip you and flip your friends for a different kind of politics um, th- one of the, the examples that i use is um, I've, I've talked about this uh, to someone who then said to me Oh, man, you know, that totally explains my Aunt Edna um, ever since she's had that hip surgery and she's been on those painkillers. Um, she got involved with this group online and getting involved with this cult online. And now suddenly she's a Donald Trump Republican. And so, you know, Aunt Edna has probably been targeted off the basis of her mental health status. And I don't think anybody, no matter what your politics are, uh wants to be, Targeted. Um, they don't want to be targeted when they're at their weakest, and they don't want all of their data harvested when they go to church.
2: Here in the UK, I mean, you're lucky that you're in the UK where they, there is a GDPR, right? That is that's applicable. Well, I guess not because it's not it's Brexit. But the, it, you're it's you're more it's more limited that what they can do with the data there than here. It's just the wild west. It's like this gusher of data. It's the new oil. I actually went to a convention of these data uh, brokers and they were, they were literally calling it, you know, it's, it's the new, it's the new oil. And, uh, you know, all of these, all of these things were completely predictable as soon as the internet came along. And as soon as data was, as soon as the iPhone was able to, to report back to people who bought this information, every single thing that we do buy, sell, where we walk, what cars we buy and so on. It's all, it's, it was all predictable, and in this country, we will not get regulation of it because it is deemed to be useful for commerce, for greasing commerce, right? So this, you know, th- th- that's that's different from what they're doing in Europe. But can I just say something about Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, for a quick mm-hmm. second? Because I, please do. I, I take a I take a slightly different point of view on this. I think the people of praise, how much different is it than Opus Dei? How many of those male judges have been Opus Dei connected? I'm pretty sure that Scalia was. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in my view, the row the Ro issue is really, they don't want to get rid of that because it is such a wonderful organizing tool for them. Her job is really just to maintain, to to. to To issue rulings that maintain power for the powerful against the powerless, there she's going to be ruling on all sorts of cases that you and I and nobody is talking about right now that have to do with things like um, forced arbitration, and you know, of course, the ACA is 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 a good example of that. But that's her role, and I'm not sure that they're they're going to take and, and if they once they once they solve that for their constituents how are they going to maintain that how are they going to get those people to come out and vote you know this is this is why they had to pack it the, because it's for the kooks it's not just for it's not for these religious groups it's for the kooks and it's for the moneyed classes to keep power against the powerless that's my
0: opinion but you don't think she's going to you know that the the, the
2: she probably thrust. will be a vote for
0: yeah but the thrust towards like, that's it. getting you know getting a more uh moral uh christian society uh, it does lend itself to a more authoritarian kind of system and these, these people the powerful as you might want to call them they seem to want a more authoritarian kind of system they don't like the unruly you know population sort of rising up against them as they as they fear they might happen if if they lose the majority and so i you know i think at the end of the day, this kind of, you know, religious authoritarian um, policy is is what they're looking for.
2: Well, they go together. I mean, there's no doubt that Opus Dei has uh, been inside fascist uh, dictatorships from Franco to Pinochet to, I mean, they're they're all over in those those types of authoritarian governments. So they do come along with it.
3: Let's suppose that um, she does vote against Roe v. Wade, let's say it comes up and abortion goes, and there's no longer that organizing principle there. There, there seems to be another organizing principle that could be brought forward for the right, and that's race. Uh, mm-hmm. Because in for the first time in my mature adult life, uh, I'm seeing race discussed in a way that really shocks me, mm-hmm. really shocks me.
0: And you're in Alabama, right? So, right, are you in Alabama, right? Well, now?
3: Yes. And I Alabama. Mean, uh, well, so, I, okay. I've, I've seen I've seen it discussed privately down the bar. That's one thing. But to see the president discuss race the way that he discusses mm-hmm. it now is is really hard for me to believe.
0: How's it uh, coming across in Alabama? Are you noticing that people are more? Uh, of finding it more permissible to be more racist again or or is it uh, pretty much the same down there but it's just the rest of uh, us getting shot it, by it it it's
3: it's never been a problem to show your stripes down here I'm <laughs> yes. mm. yeah
4: i want oh just to piggyback on what both of you have said the the key for for roe v wade and for focusing on race is is maintenance of the white male patriarchy the the straight white male patriarchy i should say which we can talk row i i actually i don't like the word abortion and i don't like it being framed that way choice and pro-life these words are kind of ridiculous in, in a sense because what we're what they really want to do is control the decisions that women make about their bodies and their health many many if not most uh, decisions to terminate pregnancy are done because the pregnancy isn't viable, because the woman is uh, going to die if, if something could happen. There's lots of really key medical reasons why these things happen. But the only example that they tend to show you is, you know, the 16-year-old kid who is uh, nine months pregnant and wants to, even though that never happens, they they can mythologize this this baby killer kind of thing. And that's simply not how it fucking works what they want to do is control women and they want to control uh the gay and lesbian community and they want to control people of color and why because they want to preserve straight white male uh rule or, or patriarchy or privilege over society that's what this group seems to me to be and that's what this amy whatever her name is uh seems to be uh, an agent mm-hmm. of um mm-hmm. which is you know the, the most effective form of of it, it it reminds me of when of when they put clarence thomas in there well he's black we can put Clarence. we'll give them clarence thomas you know let's find the one black man who who is a who stands against everything that 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 he should and put him on the supreme court just to stick it mm-hmm. to the black community it's the same thing with her it's the same damn thing and and, and that's where we are again yeah um, she's certainly no rb the,
2: the, trump, the trump election was first and foremost to kick in the face to women that's what i always yes. say because it was both before we forgot all about that because afterwards came the Nazis and, and the, the in, in, intense and insane corruption and all of the other things. But it was it was that and he apparently saved her for Ruth uh Bader Ginsburg's spot. She has she had been proposed before and I, I think that he was waiting for her to be the replacement for the woman. It and it's it's just such a grave insult to uh to the legacy and that's the point really Mm. right i mean Mm. it's it's all about uh insulting and and um and and you know slapping in the face making those points but um yeah she's um
0: she's terrifying you
2: know the originalism is you know her her mantra that's how they get away with it and you just don't. I just don't understand how those senators can sit there and listen to that and not say, "Well, you know, you're, do, do you not think that the founders' uh, opinions on these things would have evolved with air travel and antibiotics and no slavery? I mean, how can you how can you not take those things into account and assume that those people would not have have evolved along with our society? If she was right, an originalist, rule. she would excuse-
5: withdraw.
4: They don't mm. want a woman on the court. the The founding fathers didn't even give, <laughs> yeah, give women yeah. the right to vote. Go, go, uh, follow Amy. You,
3: and how would how would an originalist rule on an
0: issue of of race equality? Mm, that's a good question. Cause it's not really determined, you know, um, well, originally when we started out the, the, this was not an equal country. This was a country where no. you had slave owners. So, um, and slaves, the, uh, the thing that the this woman from the sect that I spoke to this week kept underlining to me is that the, uh, Amy Coney Barrett is really a, a handmaid to these, um, these, the, these white oppressive Catholic males. And then she was there supporting their decisions and, and, uh, carrying them out within this community. Cause she was part of that leadership structure, you know, and that leads you down to, to that incredible, uh, book and series and, uh, you know, are we entering a period where we're that terrified of of what might be next, even beyond a Biden administration, that we could still see this um, the story of the Handmaiden Tale uh, just still be part of our of our fear as we proceed in, in, in American history?
4: Zev, Zev, just real quick, I don't mm. I, I want everybody else to talk, but yeah. a, as someone who grew up Catholic, whose family is Catholic, mm-hmm. who actually was a confirmed Catholic and who went to Catholic college and was taught by Jesuits, this woman is not catholic in any way that i've ever mm. interpreted it so mm. let, let's let be careful with how we use the word catholic Absolutely. on behalf of all the catholics mm. in my life she is mm. not an example of a good catholic period none of these opus dei people are um the the, the father mccloskey people the, that their little crew in dc uh bill barr and these guys these are not uh, you know good examples uh, of true catholicism as i've
0: ever known it so yeah, it's the first time to, I discovered the term charis- charismatic Catholicism, which is the first time I'd, I'd heard about it. But that all comes down from, uh, that sort of is the, it encapsulates who these people are. And its base seems to be in Indiana where we find, uh, who Mike Pence and we find Pete Buttigieg and we find now Amy Comey Barrett and who never thought heard of these places of this place before. But suddenly here it is, uh, a big center of, of policy making for us. Um, I want to play a little bit of Sheldon uh, uh, Whitehouse. Did you guys see his his presentation mm-hmm. this week? Because I thought he was really interesting, and it might be an interesting way to put this all together because you've got... This, you know, some funding going all the way down to the grassroots level, as Charles has spoken about in his, in his uh, movie and as, as sp- expressed today. You've also got the same kind of funding going to the Council of National Policy, which is sort of a more organizing level. You've got the same funding going to getting people like, uh, Amy Comey Barrett, um, and nominated to the Supreme Court. And uh, he did a pretty effective uh, uh, demonstration this uh, week of how it all comes together. So let's take a listen to him from uh, the hearings this week.
5: The Washington Post wrote a big expose about this and that made Leonard Leo a little hot, a little bit like a burned agent. So he had to jump out and he went off to go and do anonymously funded voter suppression work. Guess who jumped in to take over the selection process in this case? For Judge Barrett, Carrie Severino made the hop. So once again, ties right in together. So Center for Media and Democracy has done a little bit more research. Here's a Bradley Foundation memo that they've published. The Bradley Foundation is reviewing a grant application asking for money for this orchestrated amicus process And what do they say in the staff recommendation? It is important to orchestrate, their word, not mine, important to orchestrate high caliber amicus efforts uh, before the court. They also note that Bradley has done previous philanthropic investments in the actual underlying legal actions. So Bradley is funding, what do they call, philanthropically investing in the underlying legal action and then giving money to groups to show up in the orchestrated chorus of Emma Key. that can't be good and it goes on because they also found this email this email comes from an individual at the Bradley Foundation and it asks our friend Leonard Leo who used to run the selection process is there a 501c3 nonprofit to which Bradley could direct any support of the two Supreme Court amicus projects other than Donors Trust. I don't know why they wanted to avoid the reliable identity scrubber Donors Trust, but for some reason they did. So Leonard Leo writes back, on Federalist Society address. So don't tell me that it isn't Federalist Society business. On Federalist Society, uh, on his address, he writes back, yes, send it to the Judicial Education Project, which could take and allocate the money. And guess who works for the Judicial Education Project? Carrie Severino, who also helped select this nominee running the Trump Federalist Society selection process. So the connections abound. In the Washington Post article, they point out that the Judicial Crisis Network's office is on the same hallway in the same building as the Federalist Society and that when they sent their reporter to talk to somebody <clears throat> at the judicial crisis network somebody from the Federalist Society came down to let them up this more and more looks like it's not three schemes but it's one scheme with the same funders selecting judges funding campaigns for the judges, and then showing up in court in these orchestrated amicus flotillas to tell the judges what to do.
0: So that seems um, frightening as well, because now you've got this overarching sort of lobbying group that selects judges, picks the cases, and then fights the cases, brings the cases to the courts themselves. And then you've got this, you know, the extension of all these other uh, funding schemes that we've spoken about on the show today. Um, I mean, to me, that's terrifying.
3: Study. One of the things that uh, it, we're going to release this week when we release videos from the Council for National mm. Policy is the uh, ex-head of the RNs, uh, RNC fundraising um, giving a speech at the Council for National Policy about how 501c3 groups, that's non-profits, can funnel money through 501c4s so that they can use their funds to support political
0: causes. Mm. It's, what a scheme, eh? Unbelievable
2: the The idea that there is one sort of outfit behind all of this is, is not really inaccurate. I mean, and, and your your observation that the founders were white males and that nobody else had any power, uh, you know, really, the people behind this would like to go back to as close to that as they can get, and they've been operate they've been directly working for it for a long time, not just in the last four years. But for years, you read the read Jane Mayer's "Dark Money." Read uh, Zach uh, Zachary uh, blanking on his name. Uh, it's a terrific book called "The Great Suppression," just about how they've been working on suppressing the vote of the poor and the brown for decades. It's it's not something new, and this is kind of the the apogee of their movement right now with Trump in power. And and it's not an accident that, that it is happening now either because they're in demographic decline so drastically that they can see themselves losing power within, I mean, the evangelicals statistically are going to lose their voting power. They're already outsized power to their, to their numbers. They're going to lose that power by 2024. The white evangelical Christian power in this country will no longer have the outsized uh, percentage of the vote because they just have lost by attrition all of their young people young people don't care about uh gay marriage they may care about abortion but they don't care about gay marriage anywhere
3: and this is the reason for the urgency from the council for national policy mm-hmm. to, they were trying to rewrite the constitution by 2020 before they no longer had that voting power they can still do it there's still those years there
2: they're a dying cult And And they're fighting
3: for their lives. That's that's, that's what makes
2: them dangerous.
4: What are they? The shakers? They just die out and then there's nobody left to replace them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, boo-hoo. When Texas turns blue, we'll never hear from these people again.
2: Well, bye bye.
0: let's let's hope that happens because uh, you know I don't think they're giving up anytime soon, and I think that the fascinating and also very disturbing piece of of watching a documentary is that you know they've they they consider Donald Trump obviously a very big success, and they're not going to stop with the fact that he may not be in power in you know come November or January, um, they'll they'll seek out their next candidates and they'll they'll and their candidates across every uh, political office in America. Until they're until they're able to achieve that goal of a constitutional convention, they've been in Mike Pence for nearly twenty years. Mm-hmm. Or sorry,
2: but they don't. They won't have. Or they stealth. can just fuck they off won't have and the die out anymore.
0: I, yeah, but they're you not know? dying. I mean, they're not going to die they're without exposed. a fight. They're not going to die without a fight. I don't think. I think it'll be very hard to uh, to see. The the right wing Republican Party, or the part the parts of the Republican Party, that just to give up now that they're going to lose, we'll see, we'll see, so, maybe. Okay,
3: wait. But, but the amount of damage that they're doing in the meantime is unbelievable. I mean, looking mm-hmm. at this from a European perspective, because I've mm-hmm. lived there for 25 years, my one of my main concerns is that we need to get America backing NATO again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're well, yeah. oh, talking that's about a, critical.
0: Certainly do, especially if uh, Donald Trump gets real. You know, gets into a second term. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that he's going to try back away from NATO. That's his. That's one of his key policy uh, concerns in the next term. Um, go ahead. It will change the global shift of power in the world. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about it. And this alliance with Russia and China, whomever the this uh, this right-wing Republican fundamentalists have decided to align themselves with. I mean, that's just uh, you know, it's it's, it it in itself is is a dramatic shift in the balance of power of the world that is uh, is causing great damage to to people's rights and to uh, to the very, you know, to the notion of democracy around the world, which seemed to be so secure just a few years ago and now might not even be, uh, you know, with us in the future.
4: I'm going to write about the NATO thing. Actually, I'm, I'm working on a piece for my Prevail site for Tuesday about that very topic, because I think it's something people don't really think about because we've been, everybody our age has just known peace for our entire lives relative to the Western world and Europe specifically not fighting. And what an, an incredible anomaly that is historically for Europe, Western Europe, not to be at war with itself is it just, you know, the last time this happened was during the Roman Empire, like the second century. So, you know, we should enjoy this and make it and make it last. My last thought is um, going back to Mike Pence. If Mike Pence does whatever his wife says and Amy Barrett does whatever her husband says. If the four of them are in a room, like what is that like if they go out to dinner? Like who orders for whom? I don't know. How does this work? Can we right. have a, we, <laughs> is, that, is that is that part of the tapes you're releasing next week, Charles? I, I, this is what we want to see